The Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Because they came to whose house? You like that? You like that? Where'd you go to college? Syracuse? Syracuse? That's a basketball school. Rain man, good to go. Hey coach, how are you? I'm good, Rain, I'm good. Thanks for doing this today. No problem. I'll have an English muffin if you got one. What's that? No, go ahead. I'm ready. Aha! This is the Sportzilla Show. Here's Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. Rain and Scooter. I just want to say hello in the words of and with the words of and in the voice of the manager of the Yankees. Sup, yo? Sup, yo? That's him. Uh, Major League Baseball still has a cheating scandal. I don't know if you've heard. We'll probably address that in a few minutes. But I want to get to something that is not related to the Astros cheating scandal in Major League Baseball. And that is just a couple minutes away because at 3.30, you have to know Jim Beheim will join us. They're traveling to Louisville. That's why uh, Matt Park, the voice of the Orange, stepped out a few minutes early. So we had a chance to talk to Jim before they jumped on that plane. We'll share that in just a few minutes. Lawrence Moten uh, is, of course, going to join them in Marquette because his all-time biggie scoring record was broken. That's pretty cool. They invited him all for that scoop. Yeah, eight thirty tonight. It's Marquette and Creighton, and he's been invited to sort of, uh, you know, transfer along that title of the Big East career leading scorer. So you can hear from the Heim in a few minutes about that and a few other things. Real quick, you're a big NASCAR guy, Ryan Newman. Uh, what's the latest that you have as far as that situation with the Daytona 500, which was completed yesterday due to the crap weather on Sunday? The latest I've seen is that he's in serious condition in the hospital, but uh, they're saying the injuries are non-life-threatening. And as spectacular as that crash was, you have to realize they have built in amazing safety measures into yeah. these cars. The roll cage, the hands device. You know, there's been a lot of talk. I think it was 19 years ago today that we lost Dale Earnhardt Sr. You haven't had a lot of that since then, so uh and, on that level. And if you remember that crash, it wasn't like a vicious crash. It wasn't as uh, horrible-looking as the one we saw yesterday at the Daytona Just 500. Just wasn't secured Within the car, the way well, they, that they are now. There's a whole thing about how your head shakes in a in a in a you know collision like that, and that, that apparently is what killed Dale. And you know, I've actually seen the clip of Ryan Newman today talking about the uh, new measures that were put in place, the safety measures in the wake of Dale Senior's death. And how, you know, Ryan Newman says, oh, I think it's a good thing, you know, and it's, boy, it's just kind of, it's kind of eerie a little bit to hear him saying that. But obviously, very, very frightening situation. What's up, yo? What's up? Nick Gales, give me the shock. He's in studio with us today. You can see us, Q Sports Talk, Twitch.tv. Uh, you can see a lot of cool things uh, with this radio station being live, I, I suppose, with its own TV channel dedicated to well, all of us. It's fun to do that. I have a scully on today, a wave to the cameras, scoops over there. Nick is here, and now we can talk about something that is not related. I hope you're excited to be able to do this, too, because it's all anybody's talking about in Major League Baseball. We have to get to a few comments that Nick Markakis made about the Astros. But first, Brett Gardner, a Gardy party. 
who, by the way, I saw on Twitter somebody overheard that he's suggesting he's going to go out on top at the end of this year. I don't know if that means this is his final season. And it was a relatively credible source. And I'm like, hmm. But that's not really what the major story is with Brett Gardner, who is, by the way, a married man with a couple of children and not one for um, really making headlines outside of what he does on the field. He's beloved. He's the longest tenured. He's a leader in the clubhouse. He plays hard. He's still got a little bit of speed. He's going to be an important part of this team. But did you hear what happened to him? Yeah, I heard. It was uh, it was uh, out of left field, pun intended. Yes, it literally was. It was weird. What would you do? Would you do the same thing? Would you look for the restraining order if some um, woman who clearly needs some help was stalking you? I don't know. It's kind of funny. It, I, I would think it's funny. So I just, I don't know. It, I, I mean, that's probably the smart thing to do, but I don't know. Sometimes I don't do the smart thing. Well, yeah, we don't, we all don't do the smart thing sometimes. So, well, the whole part of the story where she showed up and the Orioles dug out yeah. once to try to meet him, that's creepy. You know, like he's trying to stay away from her and she's been banned. And yet she uses the other team to try to gain access to him. Very clingy, very creepy, like very Glenn Close fatal attraction. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some things going on there that are a little disturbing. I would be uncomfortable if I was Brett Gardner in this situation. So let me give you the basics on this. Brett Gardner has asked a Bronx judge to keep a crazed fan, as she's called, who calls herself the baseball player's future wife away from him and his family. Quote, I request the court to grant me access to the stadium. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, I apologize. Let me back up. This is the woman's statement uh, when she had initially sued them, sued him last year. Let me start with that, okay? Her name is Gina Devashayam. And she said in her court filing, I request the court to grant me access to the stadium in accordance with MLB fan policy and also in accordance with, quote, significant other of Major League Baseball player Brett Gardner. This is the wording she used in the lawsuit. I mean, it's a quote. I am a Yankees fan and also the future wife of Brett Gardner, she went on to say. So before she was turned away from the stadium, she tried to sneak into the visitor's clubhouse, as you had alluded to, at Orioles Park Camden Yard this past August to see him. She was booted from the stadium, which led to that lawsuit. So even though these two have never met, she's claimed in the lawsuit that the outfielder has hinted that he has interest in her she said there's video of Gardner in the dugout that shows that, and this is great, quote, he motions with his hip on the stairs as though he is having sexual intercourse with me. She also claimed that he makes a sad face during home games when she does not attend and that after three years of romancing online, she started to go to the games because I see that Brett desires this. Okay, feel free to comment because there's more. There are a lot of people out there who suffer under bizarre delusions. Yeah. And in radio, uh, I've seen this happen numerous times As of with I. fans of a radio host, with fans who, uh, I, I, I worked at a station where Ted Nugent was the morning man. Mm -hmm. And people would claim they knew Ted. People would know they claimed uh, they... I, I know. I remember a woman at another radio station uh, that said she was in love with our program director. I remember people who claimed that they wrote songs that that Ted had hits with, that they had actually wrote those songs. 
and that Ted stole them from him. And, I mean, just there are these just delusions out there. You know, uh, the Dimebag Daryl Abbott murder was th- there were allegations that that uh, shooter in that instance thought that Pantera and Damage Plan had stolen songs from him. The same sort of delusional stories that that I've heard in in numerous cases. And this sounds like right out of that. He makes a little motion with his hip that indicates that, you know, he's in love with me and that, you know, that's the, you know, we're we're doing it or whatever. Uh, There are a lot of people out there who have a mental illness and they're suffering under serious delusions and they're not dealing with reality. It's I, I know it's it's terrible for him and his family, but in the same respect, I kind of agree with Nick a little bit where it's a later distraction from the Astros cheating scandal, which is just nonstop. Are news. you sure? Are you sure that it's a lighter distraction? I mean, it's You're a not little, buying it? it's a little bizarre. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's is. how crazy the Astros cheating scandal has got is that <laughs> we look to something like this, which is a little, it's a little unsettling. I mean, if you are in his family, you yeah, got, you kind of got to go, what's going to happen if I go to the ballpark and she sees me? Because there are people that are like, just infatuated and, and crazily enthralled in this fetish for this person that they they look up the family members and they know what they look like. And, you know, it's not a fun thing for the family. It's disturbing. She has a Twitter account that has been, well, if you're on Twitter, you've probably seen this by now. But let me just share with you a, t- a tweet from hers back in October. October. I've never seen you angry at me, Gardy. I will claim you play the role of my husband. That is my first right. My second right is to allow me inside the stadium. During an interview that she did with a reporter, uh, she pointed out, uh, he pointed out that Gardner is married to Jessica Clendenin. And you know what Gina's response was to the reporter? That's not of importance. <laughs> I think his wife would better. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm actually married to Kate Upton, not Justin Verlander. Let me let me just say that. She said that the league is painting her as a deranged, rambling woman on the loose and arguing that she is a threat to order and safety. She insists that Gardner wants her around despite him filing this order of protection and despite the Yankees seeking to ban her from not just Yankee Stadium, but all major league stadiums because of this. She went on to say, you know, when he plays, he signals. They have their own signals. First of all, oh, yes. for which pitch- it's a special language that they are communicating with. This is another thing that I've heard in in cases like. So this. she's stealing signs. You basically, yes. Yeah, she said <laughs> I can't get away from it. She says they have their own signals. First of all, for the pitch type and all of that, and then there's the other thing called romantically and sexually signaling toward me. That is how our relationship has progressed because he has started sexually signaling towards me. Well, it, it's it, it, the more you read, the more you learn, the more you dig into this, the more it's painful. It's just how horribly, awfully lonely is she or is she just mentally sick in some way, not taking medication or not even diagnosed? Look, look there's plenty of examples. You could talk to any number of celebrities who have to deal with these sort of. Uh, fans that have this perverse fascination with them. All kidding aside, it's terrifying. That That's terrifying for Brett Gardner and his family. Well, I mean, really, you could put yourself in that role. Any of us. Without a doubt. Could put ourselves in that. I don't even think you have to be famous. No. You can run into somebody who is just, it's the the fatal attraction thing. It's Jen Clo- uh, Glenn Close. You know, 
and right away, what do you say? Or what do you see in your head when you you say that? You see the the bunny rabbit boiling on the stovetop. Yeah, you know, nobody wants to be in that situation. Yeah, it's just very creepy. Well, I told you we couldn't completely escape what's been happening with the Astros cheating scandal. So let's wrap up segment number one here in the Sports Illa Show with the words of Nick Markakis, who's who's taken it to to uh, I guess an extreme level, if you want to call it that. It angers you, um, especially from a guy who has played the game the right way his whole career. Um, no shortcuts. Um, I know how hard this game is. I know how hard uh, preparing for this game is, and to uh, um, to see something like that, it's, it's, it's damaging to baseball. Um, you know, it, it's anger. Uh, I feel like every single guy over there needs a beating. How about that? And every day you're getting quotes from more and more major league players. Certain comments have more weight than others based on their stature in the game or longevity in the game. They're mad. They're really mad. They're seething mad. And, and, yeah, the game polices itself. Nobody's calling out for other players playing against the Astros or, or pitchers or whatever for throwing at anybody's head. Nobody's calling for that. But I kind of get the old school philosophy that you're going to have to accept you might get one in the ribs, you might get one in the can, and just take your base and move on because it's going to have to happen. Otherwise, you're going to see more brawls than you've ever seen in the history of any season of Major League Baseball. I thought it was interesting that the uh, Indians manager said, well, we're not interested in in retaliation or, or any of that for, to, with the Astros. But yet, I watched a Twitter video today, Jose Altuve at spring training, and all these kids trying to get his autograph, Altuve, Altuve, Altuve. And then as he's walking away, walking away some guy goes, cheater! Yeah, And then you, you can literally hear the people go, oh, my God. They're aghast that somebody actually confronted him with that. If you think that's not going to happen at Major League Ball Games this year, and I'm sorry, Commissioner's Office, but the lack of uh, a proper decision with regards to punishment with regards to this is begetting all of it. It's going to get worse, and it's 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 great in theory that the manager, Tito Francona, said yeah, that. Yeah, Tito said that. You uh, know. But you can't get inside each individual player's head in the heat of the moment well, when they're know, on the mound, and that's what's going to happen. I, and I think that's good because the Indians don't have anything to do that. But if you're a Yankee, if you're a Dodger, if you're you know, and if you have an opportunity at some point to bean some of these guys, you may do it. You know, like I, if I'm a Roldis Chapman, I I'm I'm living that nightmare of that that home run over and over and over again yeah he was a little bemused after that because now we know everybody knew what they were doing and he thinks that's exactly what happened in the moment let's take a break we're going to come back we'll switch subjects nfl miles garrett matthew stafford in detroit who's going to be the first pick who's not there's moving parts all next on the sportzilla show espn radio 97.7 and 100.1 it's the sportzilla show on espn radio 97.7 and 100.1 here's rain and scoop we've got a watch party going on tomorrow if you want to hang out with eric Devendorf, roosevelt Bowie, and lawrence moton for the syracuse louisville game watch their live reaction and comments to tomorrow night's game on twitch Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. While you watch the game on TV or have it on the radio on TK99, pull up Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk to see live reaction and interaction from Syracuse legends Roosevelt Bowie, Lawrence Moten, and Eric Devendorf. 
joined by Seth Goldberg live from our Armory Square studios. Plus, you're going to have a chance to win an SU t-shirt courtesy of University Sports Shop in Destiny, USA, and a great northern mall. This Miles Garrett situation in the National Football League scoop uh, still being discussed quite heavily. Ryan Hollins had comment on this. There's so much more to this, I think, than meets the eye and what's on the surface. Even what we've heard already from so many different parties involved, you still don't exactly know what happened. Mike Tomlin doesn't seem the type to go out and defend a guy who isn't, who, who should be framed for whatever. If the shoe fit, I think Tomlin would let him wear it. But he goes on first take, uh, arguably the biggest show in sports right now, and says that he did not say what he said, and they're defending him, and they're backing him. So there's something lost here in translation, Sean, and I, I really strongly feel that Miles Garrett felt just for what he did. It was uncharacteristic. I understand these guys get paid for a living to go knock out quarterbacks that kind of their deal, but it was that that was much more, man. It That was more than just the game, and I've seen situations like that before. Obviously alluding to Mike Tomlin defending Mason Rudolph, his quarterback, in that situation. I know you're a Browns fan, and I know you have – we have had this discussion in the past. You have some serious feelings about it. Um, kind of put a little bow on that for me. Well, Mike Tomlin is defending the reputation of his team – that's admirable, but Mike Tomlin wasn't there. And you can say that nobody said anything and there's no reports that anybody else heard anything. Okay, but you weren't there. You were on the sidelines some distance away, and it is not beyond the realm of possibility that there are guys that maybe heard something that aren't saying anything this is a uh, to make this allegation for Miles Garrett. It's going to personally cost him a lot for him to stand up and make this allegation. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt him because he's going to be scrutinized for making this allegation. Now, certainly, it's possible too that uh, he's making it up. Okay, but the the team, the Browns, seem to be standing behind him. And Tomlin seems to be standing behind his team, the Steelers. And likewise, this is an old rivalry. They don't like each other. Uh, I read one person who said online, and, and I, I think this is kind of interesting, that there are probably things like that that are said a lot of times that don't get reported on. Sure. And I think that's probably a possibility. I think that was certainly a possibility 40 years ago. I don't know about today. As much, and I don't know if your teammates would necessarily stick up for you if you said something like that today, like they might have forty years ago. So I don't know. It's going to cost Miles Garrett a lot. Uh, he's going to be constantly scrutinized and criticized for saying this. Uh, and, and I know I can hear somebody right now. Well, what about you know the Steelers' quarterback? What about isms? I love those. You know, Mason Rudolph. You know, what, what about what he's going to be, how he's going to be scrutinized? You know, that's nothing to laugh off either. Certainly that allegation, but he's come out strongly and said that he didn't do it. You know, but, but what would you say? Are you going to, are you going to fess up to that? Are you going to admit to that? Is your teammate necessarily going to fess up to that? Look, th- these guys, they circle the wagons around family and that's their family. And so I don't know that we've got, the truth. I don't know that we can get the truth. And the idea that somehow with all these mics on the field, we could, we could 
hear it and hear every little conversation, every little bit of audio, everything that's said on a football field, I just think that's ridiculous. I don't buy that argument either. So we don't know. And that's why I'm reserving judgment. You know, and boy, that's a heresy today in the world of social media. Listen, the question. Withholding judgment and not formulating an opinion. I don't know whether it happened one way or or another. No hot take right now. Well, you know the conversation is going to come back up when you get into OTAs and you get into training camp. This is another thing. It's going to follow the Steelers and the Browns around like the cheating scandal. It's going to follow the Astros around. There are going to be a lot of questions about this going forward. I don't, I don't even think it's as bad as the Astros cheating scandal, but Miles is going to have to answer these questions. He sat down with Mina Kimes, and that's where this is coming from. I've seen people say, why is he even talking about this? Well, it's because Mina Kimes asked him. You know, he didn't try to dodge the question. Now, we've all seen people who make up stories to try to cover up something bad that they did. That's also a possibility. But we don't know. We weren't there. And until somebody corroborates the story or says, no, he said this and not that, and we may not even know when we get some of that information. Scoop and Rain here, Sports Illustrated Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. I did promise uh, a piece of audio. Mike Tannenbaum talking about some options for the quarterback of the Lions named Matthew Stafford. And there's there's options. I mean, do they take Joe Burrow? Does he go to Cincinnati? Is Chase Young number two? Do you go with Tua instead? Well, let's start with what he said about Matt Stafford. Long-term, turn in the card, it's Tua. Obviously, incredibly well-talented. However, what you're selling the Ford family, if you're Bob Quinn, their general manager, Matt Patricia, the head coach, is, hey, we were 3-4-1 and one with a healthy Matt Stafford. We lost two games by five points to Kansas City and Green Bay. And with a healthy Matt Stafford, we're tracking really well. So it's an incredible juxtaposition short-term to survive. They're better off taking Jeff Okuda, the talented quarterback out of Ohio State. But long-term, if you're operating this franchise like you're the owner, you take Tua because the upside's so compelling. And that's what's going on in Detroit right now. That's interesting if you think about it. Emmanuel Acho was also commenting on this very subject. Does Tua go number one, or is the problem maybe they don't like... Joe Burrow's attitude. Burrow isn't saying is actually what speaks all the volumes. You're the number one pick. Guaranteed the number one pick should be, barring anything crazy. You say, I'm eager to be a Cincinnati Bengal. I can't wait to get there. They're about to throw you a boatload of money and guarantee it. But Burrow's sitting here saying things like, I have leverage. He seems very noncommittal, not good at all. Interesting. So perhaps he doesn't necessarily want to go to the Bengals. This could get interesting. I don't know who they go with. I guess you got to pick the guy that... Wants to be there, or at least says the right things. Joe Burrow's not doing that. I'd rather have Burrow than Tua, because I'm not sure Tua, you know, is is an answer either. To be honest, I don't know if he translate as well translates as well at this point to the NFL. And you got Stafford already in Detroit. I wouldn't throw him away yet. No way, no way. I don't get that. I don't think he he's not. He's 36. not the reason that franchise has stunk for so many years. It's absolutely right. I think you got a few more seasons, a uh, good seasons out of Matt Stafford if you surround him and you protect him. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Jim Beheim will be on the phone with us. We'll get get you a few things on Louisville and, of course, the game tomorrow and the transfer rule. We've all heard about that. SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Watch ESPN Syracuse live on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash QSports. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. 
Scoop, here's what's up with ACC Commissioner John Swafford. Uh, let me see here regarding the transfer rule. I think it makes it consistent. I think it gives uh, all of our student athletes uh, coming in a sense of what they can do going forward in terms of freedom of movement if they make that choice to do so. Uh, again, and this has evolved, and, and the whole transfer portal, and a lot of times the NCAA has to make decisions that it cannot publicly come out and share all of the information in regard to an individual student-athlete situation and why that decision was made. Uh, so there may be some inconsistencies. There may appear to be inconsistencies when maybe they're not. But this would, would eliminate all of that. Real simple. Every player has a chance to transfer once without having to wait out a year as far as your eligibility. Duh. I mean, it's been a nonsense rule for how long now? It's about time they want other conferences to adopt that same policy. Here you go. Reached a unanimous decision to uh, support a one-time transfer opportunity for all student-athletes, regardless of the sport, going forward, and to uh, try and push that uh, uh, basic philosophy uh, forward and, and hopefully in a very progressive way. It's a complicated issue, but we felt generally that this was simply the right side of that issue to be on going forward. So uh, I was glad to see our schools do that. John Swafford, the ACC commish, laying it down. I totally agree with that. I don't know why it wasn't done sooner. I guess I'm glad it's finally happening. Well, why can't a college athlete, if he thinks maybe he can forge a better relationship with another coach and another program? And coaches can go anywhere they want, whenever they want, by the way. Go, why can't a college athlete go and pursue that opportunity? Why can't the athlete try to go to the situation that maximizes his talents, his opportunities to be better? And if he feels it's at one school as opposed to another, why can't he go do that? This is a rhetorical question, I'm assuming, because I don't have the answer to that either, why it hasn't been that way well, all this time. It seems un-American to me. It certainly does. Nick's in studio w- with myself, Rain, and Scoop here on the Sports Illustrated Show with the shotgun for the Hugh Sports Talk Twitch.tv cameras. But you are a college student. Yeah. What do you feel about that? I mean, don't you think that's a nonsense rule? What, the the new one you just talked about? It's new... I mean, no, I don't think it's the one. The one that's currently in place, where they have to wait oh. out a year, is what I'm oh, saying. Oh, I'm sorry, I I'm just out of it today. I thought you meant the change was nonsense. No, the, no, right, no, the yeah, the rules nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. Like I, it's, I should be able to go where I want if I have the money to pay for it and the opportunity to play. I should be able to go where I want. Yeah, I just don't even see how there's a counter argument to this and how it's not going to get universally adopted. I mean, it just. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's because for a long time, the coaches have had all the wiggle room. They've got all the uh, opportunities to go. They can recruit a kid, come to my program, come to my program. And then they're the puppet master of his life. Yeah, I'm going to be here for you for your whole four years. And then they leave in six months. And that happens over and over and over again. Why is it okay for the millionaire, bazillionaire coach to go pursue another opportunity. But the player, who is now just getting uh, some per diem for meals now, finally, and and some minimal benefits, and yeah, okay, getting the education, but why can't any other student who's not an athlete wants to change colleges, they can go do that. Why can't the athlete do that? It just makes sense to me. 
The athlete's name is Jordan Awara, and he is probably the key to beating Louisville. Syracuse is traveling there. I'm hyped for this game tomorrow, uh, just starting this process of having to basically win them all or all but maybe one and then having that deep run in the ACC tournament. All of us Cuse fans, we know, we, we've discussed the issues with the team all year. We've got Jim Bayheim, who we're going to have on the phone here in just a second to answer a few more questions. But that's the key. Because there are times he just disappears. We know this as Syracuse fans. When he's playing well, I mean, I think he's still first in the ACC in scoring. If not, he dipped down by a couple of percentage points. But Jordan Noir is a real deal. And when he's on, they're pretty tough to beat. He has a bad game. That opens the door for Syracuse. I think that's really the the main key to this game tomorrow. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. And certainly, if the Orange can start to shoot better, hit threes, I, I, you would have never predicted that Elijah Hughes would have had the game that he had. I'm very glad to see that. But uh, you sent me that interesting uh, Matthew Gutierrez piece from The Athletic about some of the breakdowns that are happening with that 2-3 zone, yeah. some of the mistakes that are being made, and mental mistakes as opposed to... Well, mental fatigue as opposed to physical fatigue, which I thought was an interesting read. But I also, especially at the end of games, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know how much of that you can really attribute to fatigue, mental or physical. That's I certainly think part of it is just getting used to that system, even though they're there. Getting used to the little nuances and subtleties of that uh, two-three zone, which you know, Coach Beheim has taught for so long, but, I mean, he knows it. Intrinsically, he's trying to impart that knowledge on his players, and certainly they're just going to make mistakes every now and then. Not the best version of the 2-3 zone we've ever seen, but we hope it gets better. Scoop and I get a chance to talk to Jim Beheim every Tuesday. Let's share that with you right now here on the Sports Illustrated Show. Jim, first question today. Did you watch the All-Star game? Did you like the new format? Well, that ending is good for the – it made him play. You know, it really made him play in the last quarter. I think that was good. That Elam ending is good for that kind of event. It really is. It, and, uh, and I don't know if it's good on a regular basis or a regular season because you fight to get your lead and everything. But I think it's good for that event. It made it really competitive. They wanted to win, and they played hard at the end. So, yeah, I thought that was a great format. Coach, talk a little bit about Lawrence Moten, who had the Big East career scoring record for 25 years until Marquette senior Marcus Howard passed him last week. They're going to have Lawrence at the festivities tonight before the Marquette Creighton game, and he's been invited. More people know Lawrence Moten's name now than they did the whole 25 years he held the record. No, You could ask anybody during that 25 years who held the record. Nobody would have known unless they were Syracuse people. Now more people know it was on the highlights on ESPN, Lawrence's highlights. So he's gotten great recognition out of something that is a great accomplishment uh, to be the leading scorer in the Big East uh, for 25 years is really incredible. And I didn't think it would be broken because I didn't think anybody was going to stay four years was that level player. But when Marcus Howard came back, that gave somebody an opportunity to do it. But uh, it's a great record. Lawrence uh, held it for a long time. It, it tells you how good a player he was. Jim Beheim here with Rain and Scoop. Now we're heading out to Louisville. This is packing day and travel day for you guys, right? So I'm curious getting away from uh, Carmelo K. Anthony Center and getting away from the Dome and you're getting ready. What are some Jim Beheim essentials when you travel? Because I figure at this point, Jim, you've got it down to a science. 
Well, yeah, 50 years of traveling for games. Yeah, you know what you need. You take what you, you know, everything is ready to go. Take a good book, take something to read, get on the plane, have a good dinner. Think about Louisville, get ready to go. Season's near the end. we got to finish strong. We're playing good basketball. We're in a lot of games. Uh, we have not finished well, I think, mainly because we're young and we make some mistakes down the stretch, commit some fouls we shouldn't. It's certainly not because we're tired. Uh, most teams in the top uh, group in the country will play six or seven guys. So that's just a weak floating story that's been around forever and it just isn't true but we haven't made good decisions at the end of the games and we missed some shots at the end of the games that we can make so that's a combination of things uh we've won you know at the bottom at the end of the day we've had four very close games we've lost in the league we've had very four close games that we've won in the league so I mean, that's par for the course virginia on the road virginia tech notre dame on the road very very close games uh, we snuck him out. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, at home, Wake Forest was a, should have gone the other way, probably, and we snuck that out. And Pittsburgh was very close. We pulled away a little bit. The Amber was a very, very close game. And so we've had four or five wins in close games, and we've had four uh, crushing losses in, uh, in, in road games, uh, uh, particularly Clemson, Florida State games, we could have won on the road and they would have been big wins. Uh, but, you know, that's what happens. If you play a lot of close games, you're going to be around 500 in, in them in, in, for the most part. And, uh, you know, if they're that close, they can go either way. North Carolina's lost six straight games that they've had the lead in the end and lost. So that's very unusual. We'll just keep trying to get better. We are getting better, particularly offensively. Uh, learning to stay out of foul trouble. Those are all things that can help us going down the stretch. We're looking forward to having a great stretch run. Always appreciate the time from Jim Beheim. You'll hear from him every Tuesday on the Sports Hill Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. You wouldn't believe what the coronavirus is doing to the NHL, but you'll find out next. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. And if you miss any of the broadcast, check out the podcast. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, post-show. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and check our social media links as well for all those podcasts. So this started back a few days ago. Pierre Maguire, NBC broadcaster, NBCSN, where they have a lot of NHL games. He had mentioned there is a shortage of sticks directly correlated to the coronavirus. About 70, 75% of the sticks that NHL players use, which are custom composite sticks made by weaving and gluing synthetic fibers into one piece stronger than its individual parts. Guess where they're made? China. They're made in China. Uh, this this effect, well, primarily they were using Bauer, who makes a lot of these sticks as an example. But ultimately, they are going to start producing some more sticks again this week, somehow, some way, due to the fact they think they have enough to get through the season, but they have to be careful because the average player goes through three to five sticks per game. They do break a little bit easier. Now, even though 908 people so far and counting, I mean, as at the time that this article originally was published, so I think the number's higher than that now, but basically um, they're not going to have enough sticks if they keep smashing them in practice or throwing them over the glass to fans and stands. They basically have to ration and be careful 
to maintain as many sticks as possible for the rest of the NHL season, or we could have a problem. I had heard how... A lot of them are custom designed sure. for each player, as yeah. you know. I had heard how like this was going to slow maybe iPhone production. That was a story thing I heard earlier in the week. Uh, but I had no idea that hockey sticks were also going to be affected. You know, this is going to affect uh, international commerce and the, the stock market and... And it has affected the stock market from time to time already. Yeah, I mean, initially it was it was mentioned back on the 10th, that's eight days ago, the number of those that have lost their lives to coronavirus far higher than 908 it's, now. Yeah, it's thousands now. But, but it's, it's, it's just a frightening thing. But that's like the last thing I would have ever thought about as a residual effect of the coronavirus and what's happening. But, yeah, I mean, probably the least important thing is the production of sticks. They might just have to go back to wood if that's the case. You imagine? Well, gosh, maybe they could have some uh, manufacturers in Canada and the United States or Mexico make them some sticks. We could make them right here in North America. I mean, that has happened in the past. I want to give everybody a little bit of a tease for tomorrow, 3 to 4 on the SportsZilla show. We're going to talk about the XFL, uh, but not necessarily giving you scores and things like that, but just a very interesting development that happened for one of the teams. Uh, it seemed to be... The numbers were good, but it wasn't quite the same as opening weekend. But then again, there was a lot more stuff happening this week, and I think that well, local sports fans were vested in, so there's not quite as much chatter, maybe regionally as there was nationwide. But there's some good football being played in the XFL. Well, case in point, I'm I'm excited to watch it. I loved it the first weekend. Didn't watch it at all. It's good football. This past weekend, because... There was so much hockey on TV. There right. was that Hockey Day in America thing. that, And everybody's I, watching a Q's game. And, and, and there was other uh, college basketball. So I, I think I watched maybe 15, 20 minutes of XFL, if if, if that. And, and none of it digested. Yeah, I, I, tried to, I tried to. I was able to watch a lot more in week one. But I'm, my goal is to catch quite a bit more of it this weekend. And I love that it's obviously on Saturdays and Sundays. So you can pick and choose or get a few minutes of every game to get a feel for the teams. It's not the same thing as the NFL because you have to learn a lot of these players. There's so many players that are established that you just know on different teams. Not quite the same thing. Before we get out of here, I know you're on the block with Brent Axe in about 60 seconds. We'll get you flipped over there. But Aaron Judge has been trending on Twitter because now the judge has spoken. All rise for the judge. He is letting his feelings be known, which pretty much echoes the sentiments of the majority of other players where they just feel punishment wasn't enough. They should have their title vacated. Something's got to give. Manfred's got to reassess this and add to the punishment. I think you said that yesterday. Well, he had indicated that, you know, maybe there would be, this is open-ended to some degree, if more information comes out. And more information, by the way, is coming out, not to interrupt you, about the Red Sox involvement. They think they'll have their punishment in about a week. But at one point, they were saying like about a week, 10 days ago, oh, it's going to be minimal. Well, there's a few more developments that are still pending, the, so we have to wait and see. The more this Correa Altuve stuff goes on with the tattoo and everything, it just feels like they're burying themselves. Yeah, scoop and rain back tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Sportsilla Show, thanks to Nick for joining us today. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Burn X, next.